0: Guess what, Lions? For as little as five dollars a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to LionsOfLiberty.com/support.
1: Welcome to Felony Friday. A presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, it is time for another edition of Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the show where each and every single week we focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. And Felony Friday is one of three shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast feed every Monday, we have a show hosted by Mark Clare. It is a it's our longest running show. It's our flagship show, and Mark does interviews with uh, leaders in the liberty movement. He hosts roundtable discussions. One of those being our monthly episode of Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor. And then every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And you can get all three of these by subscribing through iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play to the Lions of Liberty podcast to get all three of those shows in your feed every single week. On today's show, I'm going to be introducing my guest here in just a minute. This is the 93rd episode of... A felony Friday. So that means you'll be able to find the show notes with links and notes to all the articles and different things that we're going to discuss today at lionsofliberty.com/slash FF93. And my guest today is Remzo Martinez. And Remzo, for those of you that don't know him, who aren't familiar with him, he is a political commentator. He's a campaign consultant, he's a multimedia producer, and he lives in the D.C. area. Remzo is probably best known to the listeners of, of this show, of this podcast. For his show, uh, The Remzo Republic, he's been, on, he's been interviewed by Mark one time at least. He's been on our Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor show. He's been on Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams, and now he's making his Felony Friday debut this week. So, Remzo, welcome to Felony Friday.
0: I think I just completed the Liberty Lion Trinity at this point, or trifecta if we count libertarians and living rooms drinking liquor. Uh, John, it's great to be on. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you've you've made the big time. We saved the best show for last. You've made Felony Friday, so you've graduated. Congratulations. I could die happy now.
0: <laughs> After Eric Holder tries to kill me, of course. Who knows?
1: Yeah, you are uh <laughs> You are walking in some some risky waters, and I guess I'm kind of joining you here right now. We're getting uh, tracking down Eric Holder as he sneaks into snakes into your neck of the woods there in Virginia, and uh, like I said in your intro, you, you reside in Virginia, real close to the the belly of the beast there in DC. So you ha- you have an article that that just came out where you talk about this uh, Eric Holder snaking in to a fundraiser, a Democratic fundraiser to raise some money for uh, uh, Democratic campaigns in your area down there. And surprisingly it wasn't really advertised as you would expect. so so you started looking into it and, and I want to talk about that a lot. but before I do that, what what tipped you off to this? How did you find out that that Eric Holder was was back on the Democratic fundraising circuit?
0: Well, the strange thing about this was, um, I had told uh, many of my friends from the 2016 election cycle that for the Virginia governor's race and for all the down-to-get races, essentially, I was going to stay out of it. Um, you know, my days as a as a political consultant, as a campaign manager, and all that Chaz, Essentially, after 2016, I'm not gonna say it broke me, but it really just, you know, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I was essentially done with that. I wanted to just focus on you know advocacy and journalism at that point. So it got to the point where over the summer, particularly, we had seen a, a rise in political violence from both the alt-right in several cases, but primarily, I'm going to say like 99% of the time, from the Antifa thugs, the Black Bloc uh, ban by any means necessary, we've been seeing them jump up throughout the country. And the one thing that I began to notice was that You start to see the same faces over and over again when it comes to these things, even when they try and mask themselves with uh, black hoodies and Gucci glasses. But you follow the money. You start to follow the people. You look at the people that are advocating for them, and what you start to see is a trend. Um, When you look at the Antifa organizations, for example, specifically, you start to see a lot of people that were tied to Occupy Wall Street. Jason Kessler. For example, Jason Kessler was the organizer for the Alt-Right Unite the Right rally, but he's been jumping in these leftist circles for years. He was a Occupy Wall Street protester. You look at a lot of the Occupy Wall Street protesters from over, uh, you know, not even a full decade ago, more like five, six years ago, and a lot of them ended up becoming college professors, ironically, and now they're leading these mm-hmm. Antifa students and everything. And then you look back and then you start to realize, wow, some of these people who are actually, you know, some are... Um, you know, uh, nonprofit profit officials and, ad, and super PAC officials, like some of these people were with Acorn. And now they're basically doing the same thing all over again. You know, the movements, they change name, they change locations, but ultimately, you start to see that's a lot of the same people running in the same circles. So I knew, you know, deep down from doing some, uh, you know, covering some events here in Virginia, primarily of the town halls with my old boss, Congressman Tom Garrett in Charlottesville, I, I began to, about seven months ago, get really aware of this one group called um, Indivisible. It's, uh, they have got like Indivisible Richmond, Indivisible Charlottesville. So it's this Indivisible thing that is essentially tied to the resistance movement. It's that hashtag resistance that came out after the Trump victory. And the reason why I realized that you know something's going on with these – you know, this, this indivisible group was because I actually encountered a gentleman at CPAC who was giving out Russian flags of the word Trump in the middle of it. And I was like, okay, what's this doing? What's this guy doing? So I end up covering that story. I, right. I got uh, like a few seconds late before now, everyone's getting it, but people are using my pictures. But long story short, I realized that this guy's a long-term political agitator. He was part of all those other organizations at one point going back about four or five years. And that all these people run in the same circles. And I realized that at the end of the day, the one thing that you can tie them all down with is that no matter what they call themselves in whatever particular organization or what have you, they're all somehow tied to the Democratic Party. So we're seeing the election here in Virginia get a lot more coverage because we're a bellwether state. And, you know, typically where Virginia politics go, it's where most of the country goes. When you look at most of the members of the House Freedom Caucus, um, like more than half of them are from Virginia. So Virginia matters, especially when it comes to uh, Republican politics, because I think we've got a good mix down here. We have a we have a bunch of people that have different perspectives and they're able to come together and put out pretty decent candidates from time to time. So I'm realizing, wait a second, these guys are trying to fix a narrative. They're trying to get people focusing on the things that no one really wants to focus on. Instead of talking about policy, we're going to talk about statues and everything. But I start to realize, you know, all these little groups that are popping up, staging rallies, going and screaming at congressmen at town halls and stuff, like they're getting a lot of attention. I wonder what the actual democratic party is doing. So I go ahead and I'm looking around the state democratic party website and Twitter and Facebook. And I'm realizing these people aren't really promoting their events. It's really weird. Why aren't they doing that? You'd think for a big election like this, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, the attorney general and the lieutenant governor, and the governor's seat, you'd think that this would matter to them. And then I go ahead and I look at my local, uh, uh, democratic party in my town. And I'm like, wait a second, these guys are quiet too. Why is it, The state and local Democratic parties are silent in terms of their events and what they're doing, whereas all these little progressive uh, activist organizations are getting all the attention, and they're basically the ones that are the face of the progressive movement in the state. So I start getting really suspicious. I'm like, I've got to find it somewhere. So I go on the Fairfax County Democrats' website, I'm looking around. I'm like, they've got to be doing something. I find some phone banking here and there. And then in October, and this episode will come out after it happens, but October, I saw something very, very obvious. It said, Eric Holder fundraising. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The one thing that you'd think they wouldn't want anyone to know about is on this website. But you have to go digging for it. And, you know the the campaigner inside of me is saying, you know, if you're going to go ahead and promote a fundraiser, with a guy with a big name, you want to put that weeks in advance to get people to come because if people don't know what's going on, they won't come. And if they don't come, they don't give money. So I'm like, what what's going on with this? So I'm reaching out to the Democrats. I'm like, hey, just curious. Why aren't you promoting Eric Holder? No response from anyone. I go to a local event in town where the Democrats are uh, hosting – uh, a booth it's like a big you know town festival and they're right next to this super pack called dump comstock and that's important so i go what's, over to what's the democrats dump comstock? dump comstock comstock is uh, congresswoman comstock is my congresswoman and it's a super pack that's based out of maryland so it's a maryland super pack that's made to get rid of a virginia congresswoman Remember that Interesting. they're yeah. right next to the local Democrats booth. So I go over and I'm asking them questions. It's like, Hey, did you know Eric Holder was coming? Some say, Oh, maybe. And some said, I didn't know. And then I'm like, why do you think he's coming? And a couple of them from both booths, because I asked essentially the same questions. I'm, uh, I asked them, you know, why do you think he's coming? And they're like, Oh, well, you know, he's for gun control. He's a, you know, he's a big gun control guy. And then I start questioning them. It's like, th- come on now. Like, really, why are you bringing this man here? Because you can't say you're for gun control when you're dealing with someone who is almost single-handedly responsible for the largest, um, you know, gun-running operation in U.S. history, Operation Fast and Furious. And as I'm bringing this up to them, they're saying, oh, you know, we we can't talk on behalf of this group, or, oh, you know, I'm an official, and then as soon as I ask that question, it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know anything about this. Of the seven women I spoke to, most of them had pretended that they never heard of Operation Fast and Furious, and several of them had told me that, oh, it, it didn't happen. It was fake. And then I bring up, um, you know, the press. I'm like, well, you know, Holder kicked out The Associated Press from the White House press room, and then he illegally wiretapped um, you know, a whole bunch of left and right wing news outlets. It's like, are, are you people just, do you not care about this?" Like, are, are you literally not bringing him here? Because, you know, if just regular people knew that this man was coming, they, they would be upset because you're trying to say, oh, you're different Democrats from the Clintons and everything else. But you're bringing someone in to fundraise for you that actually got people killed because of his actions, that actually broke the Fourth Amendment, that spied on people, that attacked the press. What's going on? And then you learn more about that super PAC where it's based in Maryland, but they're trying to get rid of a congresswoman in Virginia. So the thing that I've been able to really uncover, it, it sounds kind of conspiratorial, but when you just look at the, the the face value of it all, you're seeing this, you're seeing collusion between the Democrats and these um, offshot resistance organizations. You're seeing people from out of state with dark money coming in with their super PACs to try and influence elections in states like Virginia that have a deep impact on what happens in Washington. And then, because there are people that are so unpopular within the Democratic Party, they're trying to either play ignorant or they're trying to change the narrative. And when it comes to Fast and Furious specifically, that's bothersome. Because if you're telling me you are an educated voter and you're an official from the organization and you've never heard of Operation Fast and Furious and you're twice my age, that either shows that you've been living in Iraq for the last 10 years or you're actually complicit in trying to hide it because you can't tell me that nothing that he's done matters and that we just need gun control when everyone Anderson Cooper did great coverage on uh, fast and furious MSNBC even admitted fast and furious existed like this isn't something that just happens. This isn't a tinfoil hat conspiracy fast and furious happened. Thousands of actual assault rifles were given to the Sinaloa drug cartel in Mexico. Thousands of Mexicans and several hundred American citizens along the border were killed because of the vicious drug war there. And um, it was so, so a they, U.S. Border Patrol agent to, that was also murdered.
1: How, how many deaths were there? They were able to trace what, like 60 Over a thousand, to Over a thousand. Over a thousand?
0: Over a thousand deaths. Because you gotta remember, when these gangs go out in Mexico, like they're not as brazen in the United States, in uh, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, as they are in Mexico. In Mexico, they'll flat out walk out in the streets and start mowing people down.
1: Wait, wait a minute, Remzo. Guns are not legal in Mexico. You can't just walk out and get a gun. So that's impossible. <laughs> Well, you know,
0: the thing about bad guys is that they don't necessarily care about the laws. I mean, last I checked, murder is illegal and it's the most egregious crime you could commit, but people are out there committing murder.
1: Indeed they are. And that I mean, and that's the reason I wanted to bring you on this week because I think this is so important right now with what's going on in this country with the focus on gun control with a lot of people out there who I think are pretty are reasonable people who in the past have been, you know, staunch second amendment supporters and now are starting to waver a little bit after seeing what happened in Las Vegas and obviously becoming emo- emotional over it. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened with 59 people being killed, unbelievable tragedy, but people have it's it's clouded their judgment. And you've seen the NRA come out supporting a uh, bump stock fire or bump bump fire stock ban and there's been republicans in the house <laughs> I'm sorry they,
0: they... Try, try saying that like 10 times <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you should have heard me on on, on last week's uh, podcast i think i said it three different ways three different times but anyway yeah there's been republicans in the house uh, you know coming out supporting this they couldn't agree on healthcare or or lowering taxes but on uh, uh gun control i guess they're they're right on board so i think this is so important and the people that are pushing gun control people like Eric Holder have this on their record so I think we need to bring this to light and that's why I was so happy to have you on to talk about this
0: no I, I greatly appreciate it and the thing is you know everyone's been talking about the deep state and a uh, DNC media collusion but what you're seeing right right here is something that is just so so blatant it's like they're sloppy I'm not you know, I, I don't have a degree in journalism. Uh, you know, while I was doing this, I was actually working on my docu-series, Nothing Burger, about the public perception of media. I just happened to come about this just on a hunch. But this is blatant because what we're seeing is we're seeing people that are jumping one minute saying, oh, I'm not part of this organization. Uh, I'm part of this one. Then they're just jumping back and forth using uh, legal, you know, these strange legalities to go ahead and cover themselves when it suits their needs what we're seeing is um, the Democratic Party essentially working with these organizations to go ahead and distract people from what actually matters. And then, you know, you have this other collusion going on. Like, for example, Eric Holder, uh, you know, the Fast and Furious thing bugs me. And it, it really does bug me when I can walk, like walk into a room full of Democrats and then they all either tell me. Fast and Furious didn't happen. The the media attacks didn't happen, or it doesn't matter. So one minute they they're like, oh, it didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Then they're like, oh, it just didn't happen. It, like we're dealing with people who were were literally getting like gunned down in the streets because of this. You know, you look at the drug war. You want to actually talk about how the government was making things worse? Well, you know, when you arm cartels, that's what happened. But you know, even just going beyond that, you look at the type of people that are leading this. Um, Eric Holder is much more sinister than people ever assumed. Um, he right now he's actually working with CBS to produce a uh, a legal drama, which is essentially you know hi- highlighting certain parts of his time as attorney general. And people are like, oh well, you know he's getting into the entertainment industry. Well, yeah, that's what the Democrats always do. They always they they jump between Hollywood media and policy at some point. And, you know, I put nonprofits and advocacy in the same category as policy, but you know, people are like, well, Remso, why are you hounding on holder producing a, you know, like another legal show? And it's like, You know, when you have a fictitious narrative that people know is a reflection of what's actually happening, that could sometimes change public perception of figures that they're able to tie to something that's more favorable. We saw that with the show Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary came out after uh, the Benghazi attacks in 2012, and it was essentially trying to create a Hillary Clinton-like figure that the public would say, oh, you know, I like Madam Secretary. They see Hillary Clinton, they're like, wow. Wow. I'm seeing some similarities. Maybe it's reflective of her. That was openly, and CBS officials have openly said this. It's been caught um, you know, online. You can go to Media Research Center and other places. But shows like that were created as you know, almost a pseudo-campaign tool. So here you have the entertainment industry that's going ahead and crafting this narrative. But then you look at everything else. Um, the media is not talking about this. You know, I actually sent the story to several different news sites when the first article came out talking about holders' activities here in Virginia. I sent it to a whole bunch of other sites, several mainstream conservative sites based out of Virginia. And only one outlet, the one that I end up writing for and covering this story for, actually picked it up. Because this is a big thing. The thing about Virginia is that Hillary... Um, The only reason why she won Virginia as a battleground state is because of Northern Virginia, because you have a lot of people from the East Coast coming down to escape progressive policies, and then they come here and they look at us and they're like, oh, you uncivilized people. Let me tell you how to run a state. And then they basically try and destroy Virginia with their progressive policies again. But uh, when I was working for Congressman Tom Garrett's campaign at the time, I knew a lot of people volunteering for the Republican Party here that were diehard Trump supporters, but they were not voting Republican down ticket because they were just very blue-collar Democrats that liked what he had to say. But when it came to their congressman and everything else, they wanted the subsidies. They wanted the handouts and everything. And if those blue-collar Democrats, those independent you know, old-school Democrats, learned that sneaky sneaky freaking Eric Holder was coming here, trying to influence their election. Don't you think they'd have a problem with that when it comes to, you know, the, the establishment Democrats right now, you know, people don't realize this, but the democratic party is more split than they want you to think. And when you're bringing in people that everyone kind of knows, like, okay, that dude, you know, he's the Eric Holder is the first and only attorney general to ever be held in contempt of Congress because of fast and furious. If more people realize that they're trying to bring him down to fundraise or collude or whatever, like people are going to have a problem with that. I was undecided as to how I was going to vote in this upcoming election because ultimately I, I just I – just, I was tired and I don't necessarily think a lot of these people are going to bring a difference. But knowing how the Democrats are playing and knowing how much emphasis they're putting on this Virginia election, like the, these people, like they're just absolutely insane. They're causing violence. They're, they're fixing the news. They're trying to create a disastrous narrative that takes away people's thoughts from policy and what actually matters. And then they're bringing on people that literally escaped one of the biggest blatant black eyes of justice that we've seen in decades. I don't know how anyone can think that the Democratic Party, especially here in Virginia, is not trying to literally screw – thousands of people over because of this because at the end of the day it's not that they think that you're stupid it's that they think that you'll follow along with the emotions of the moment and if the emotions of the moment are all these visceral issues that don't really matter and you just need to get your talking points or else they're going to ostracize you then then nothing else matters they already win they're trying to create a narrative and they're bringing in people like eric holder to do that
1: so so they're using uh you would say i think if I'm understanding what you're saying right is they're using these antifa type groups um you know they're funded a lot of these groups are funded by people like george Soros and, and the like, using them to uh really wage a a cultural war that is getting lots of media coverage and distracting a lot of people and then on the back end they're not advertising their events, bringing in people like Eric Holder. Who you know? I'm sure they're getting enough emails out to Democratic donors to let enough people know to come to these events to uh, to fill the coffers up to keep the funding machine going. Is that is that a decent summary? Yeah.
0: I mean that that's that's blatantly it. I mean it's it's them working, and it's really smart when you think about it. it. It's really smart because they're covering all their bases. It's create a narrative. It's go ahead and make sure that the information you don't want out doesn't get out. And then, I mean, this is the cult-like personality of the Democratic Party. You just go ahead and make sure that you're pushing out this echo chamber where you're making sure you're getting your same talking points out over and over again and you don't you don't step aside from that. I bet those women I spoke to at that event, that those activists and that official from the Democratic Party that was trying to talk to me, and I put the edited clip online. I'm going to actually put up the full conversation on my um, – rss feed for my podcast in the coming days and trying to get them to admit some stuff because they don't want me to put that entire clip out but i'm going to put that entire clip out because frankly they're not working with me and i don't care to work with them if they're not going to be honest did
1: they know did they know that you were recording oh yes
0: i got their permission to do it the only cop-out was that um they refused to tell me their names but you know they shouldn't have tried to remove me from that event because eventually i got their names yeah, don't So don't they screw actually me tried Democrats. to physically
1: remove you from well, the event? They
0: they tried to. They had um, the, the one official, she started yelling at me towards the end and in the edit, I don't think it's in the edit clip in the full clip you hear say, you know, just leave, just leave. But she has a whole bunch of activists stand behind me start yelling at me and clapping and they're just trying to like shush me out. So I actually uh, went home, got in the change of clothes, got back with a baseball cap and glasses and walked around <laughs> taking selfies getting their picture and then I was mm. like okay my 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 pool of sources tell me who these people are so I know their names I've got their number and I'm going to go ahead and put out this information because you have people that are saying that they're extremely intelligent extremely uh active voters but you're telling me that you never heard of operation fast and furious I know they were lying because you can't go ahead and throw all that information out there and not be aware of the talking points And when it comes to something like Eric Holder, like, honestly, how how do you how do you like this is the part of the Democrats that is also showing how divided they are, because you've got like the real progressive Bernie wing where I think actually a lot of them voted for Trump here in Virginia and uh, their candidate, Tom Perriello, in the Democratic primaries for governor lost to Ralph Northam, a very establishment Democrat. And a lot of them were very disenfranchised. And you have someone like Eric Holder in who went after the media way harsher than anyone else has. People think that Trump is tough on the media. I'm sorry. The Obama administration was vicious with the press. People have a selective memory. They don't remember that. But you go ahead and bring in someone like this. You remind them, especially in Virginia where we have an MS-13 gang problem, you remind them this is the guy that enabled the gangs. This is the guy that gave them their weapons. This is a guy that has helped perpetrate the problem we have now. No, oh, by the way, he went, he went after your precious mainstream media. Come on, Bernie bros. Do you think you're actually going to go ahead and stick with that person, especially these establishment figures in the state and national party that are bringing people like this in to raise money? If well, you they think... might
1: because everyone else is a Nazi, right? According oh, essentially, essentially, so, basically, you're a Nazi. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm. I'm the mo- I'm the worst Nazi out there. If that's the case,
1: did did anyone call you a, a white supremacist at this event?
0: No, I was called fake news though. Okay, <laughs> that that's the go-to insult for me. It's fake news, but uh, but yeah, no, this this. This whole thing, what it shows is it shows how they think. It, it shows what they're willing to do. But sadly, what it shows is that you have people who are probably decent human beings literally willing to um, you know, sidestep for someone that should be in prison. At, at one point, when, uh, when this woman, the official, was telling me, oh, um, we need gun control now, we need gun control now, I, I looked at her and I was like, you know, if Wayne LaPierre from the NRA decided to be a Democrat tonight, and then go fundraise for Ralph Northam tomorrow. Would you care then? And she was like, oh. She tried to you know, sidestep the question. She was like, oh, is he even alive? Oh, I, his presence makes me sick. So I looked at her. I'm like, so Eric Holder actually like you know got people killed and did all these things, but you don't like Wayne LaPierre because he's a lobbyist. And then she started yelling at me again. And it's like y- y- your, your mental gymnastics, your juxtapositions – are so, they're, they're so on display right now. You can't take these people seriously, you know? And here's the thing. For people that know me, you know that uh, I've I've never been a party guy. I've never said go out and, you know, jump for a party. And for me to be defending a lot of the Republicans these days, you know, it seems kind of strange. But here's the thing. the The Republican Party, yeah, they have problems. But the Democrats... I think explicitly are out there trying to actually destroy not just, you know, economies, not just, you know, our, our civil liberties. The Democrats literally don't care how many criminals they have to get in bed with. We're seeing this with Harvey Weinstein right now and the Saints over in Hollywood. They're going ahead and, you know, apologizing for that and avoiding that and a bunch of them are being outed as perverts and everything. Uh, I mean, Bill Clinton can literally go around raping everyone in public and the Democrats would still go ahead and put him on the same level as the Pope as long as the Pope is saying that, you know, all these liberal policies are good. We'll see how the next one goes. But I mean, this is, th- this is just lunacy, what I'm seeing right now. And the fact that we're seeing, uh, you know, conservative media here in the Commonwealth, I even think this is a good example of something that the national media should be talking about. The fact that they're choosing not to cover it because it's inconvenient because they're afraid of being called uh, you know they're, they're afraid of being called conspiracy theorists and everything else and putting out stuff that doesn't matter because I've had Republicans tell me since uh, I, I put out the first uh, Eric Holder story that um, you know, we just need to focus on the policy because the voters will focus on the policy. No, I knew few people that actually cared about policy in 2016. I knew many people that went out and voted for Donald Trump because they were anti-Hillary Clinton, because they saw the Project Veritas videos, because they knew what this woman did, and they knew the type of people that the Clinton machine was trying to bring in. And if you are afraid of that then, this is worse now, because Clinton, she never had to go out and pull the trigger on things. She never had to go out and blackmail people. She had people go out and do that. And when you're dealing with someone like Eric Holder... He's probably more terrifying because he wasn't just the one giving the orders. He was the one actually going out and doing things himself. And I can tell you right now, smart money says he's going to try and run for office. I don't know if he's going to try and run for president or if he's going to try and run for governor or something. But we're seeing this man try and create a network for himself. And the same people that are saying, oh, I don't know what Operation Fast and Furious is now, but I'm an educated uh, well-informed Democrat voter of X amount of years, when he starts running for office and they can't deny that any of that stuff happened, what they're going to tell you is that they don't care.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Where does Eric Holder reside? I just looked up. It says he, he just bought like a condo in the D.C. area, so I'm not sure where he would run for office.
0: He He has a condo there. I mean, he, here's the thing about these people. They go ahead and they basically move to a certain place They make sure they're there for the right amount of time required to run for office. And then they run. Eric Holder, I think it was a year ago, I think he almost lived in California at one point. I think the California government gave him some honorary position. Another thing about Virginia is the reason why uh, Democrats have barely won any seats at state level here is because um, they've been moving people out from out of state to come run as Democrats because they're like, oh, the state party's uh, you know financially ruined. Let's go ahead and just bring these independently wealthy people here. No one will care because if you're a good Democrat, you'll go ahead and vote for Democrats. Even Democrats in the rural part of Virginia where they're bringing in all these uh, East Coast elites to come in and run for office, e- even they're seeing that it's a joke. So I don't know where he'll run or what he'll run for, but what we're seeing right now is he's trying to set himself up as – A uh, extremely partisan political operative, and he's trying to go ahead and build up his notoriety within the system right now. And within the system isn't with the people that think, "Oh, democracy matters," and let's go to the convention. When it comes to the Democrats, what we've seen is that ultimately they don't want to change. We saw it when they go ahead and uh, elected Perez as DNC chairman and everything else. Ultimately, the people inside the DNC are the are the people that are still running the way the Democratic Party works. And that they don't want to change for these people that actually are want to talk policy, that want to talk ideas. Um, what they want to do is they essentially want to go ahead and continue running their mafia-style racket. I know I sound like Roger Stone when I'm throwing out a lot of these terms, but ultimately it's the point I've come to. This is literally what we're seeing is a giant operation to go ahead and take one of the major states in the country that's having a giant election. Because this will be their version there's going to have to be the, the giant judgment check on Trump. They want this to be the big moment where it's like, wow, look at how badly the Republicans failed in Virginia. Look at how badly they did. And look at all these people that came out to help Democrats. This isn't just another election. This is kind of like the Spanish Civil War and the Germans. The Germans are arming um, you know, the fascists and everything else because they just want to see, oh, how will this work here? It's It's getting dirty. And they're trying to literally hide what they're doing because they know that even the people that could possibly vote for them, if they knew this guy was coming out and what they were doing, you know, grand scheme wise, they'd be like, what the hell? You told us you'd change. You're not changing.
1: So I did want to bring up one thing. Speaking of Eric Holder and Remzo. When I came on your show we talked about Jeff Sessions and that was I think that was maybe right before or right after maybe Trump uh, Trump nominated him. I don't think he'd been approved yet. And so we, we were kinda looking ahead of what he was gonna do and he's mostly followed through to the fullest extent that he could with attempting to re escalate the war on drugs and even put, you know, some mandatory minimum sentences, reescalate that. But at the end of the day, so Eric Holder did. I agree with you. Did some horrible things when he was Attorney General. Fast and furious, uh, very divisive racially. Um, using the uh, the Trayvon Martin death to divide the nation. Um, sending in Department of Justice people to you know to stir up both sides. There, same thing in Ferguson. But outside of that, you know, Eric Holder, I can't say the guy is 100 percent evil, 100 percent bad, because, as you know, Remzo, a big part of my show is I bring on uh, former felons, nonviolent offenders, some people who had life sentences, who Barack Obama threw some work that Eric Holder did, that Eric Holder pushed through uh, to get these people clemency, to get them back to their families and to to help them. So, it's kind of weird to look at somebody like Eric Holder who has such – it's such a – I mean, I can't think of a better a better uh, way to say it, but it, black and white, a, a good and evil side to him because the one side is so horrible and the other side, he actually seems like he could be a compassionate guy trying to help people. But when you look at it honestly, it's probably not that. It's probably just him playing politics the same way Obama was playing politics because – if they weren't why did they wait until the 7th and 8th year of you know the two term presidency to do this stuff so i'm sure i'm sure it was mostly plain politics but it's it's hard for me to to, to reconcile that and i almost wish that i'm not going to say i wish that eric holder was still the attorney general cuz i don't but i wish that we had somebody who just held held that viewpoint and was uh, you know, was more liberty oriented uh, on the other view. So wh- what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you've put any thought into?
0: I, I have, and you know in, in this situation, you, you brought up the, the good things he did. And, you know you look at Napoleon, he cleaned the streets of Paris, and you look at Hugo Chavez uh, before he died, at least he was keeping the poor fed regardless Mary of how he are doing colder to
1: napoleon and hugo chavez i love it
0: yeah but i mean you know holder's the guy that's going to go ahead and say that when you're on a trip or something he'll watch out for your girlfriend but he's secretly porking her on the side with jeff <laughs> sessions here's the thing you know what he's thinking you know what he is he's a very two-dimensional person jeff sessions in my opinion is a bad attorney general i went ahead and gave him the benefit of the doubt i was on a Your show and uh, the Alex Merced cast actually went on the record saying, you know, he's a law and order guy. He's blatantly said, if you don't like the law, I'm going to keep enforcing it. But if you don't like it, change it. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And what he's shown is that he's a very judicial, judicially active attorney general. And I don't like what he's doing. He could be a bad attorney general. He could be replaced or anything else. But, you know, he's doing his job. I don't like it, but he's not going out doing this crazy, illegal, immoral, you know, just criminal activity that Holder did. Yeah, Holder did some good things in public, but what we really saw was how he acted when he was caught conducting criminal activity. I'd much rather have Sessions because I know what Sessions is doing. If we go ahead and just work with the legislature and everything else, he'll be forced to go ahead and just enforce the law as it's written. And, You know, if not, we could replace him. With Eric Holder, it took almost until halfway through Obama's second term for us to get rid of that guy. And what we saw was that he kept going and going and going and going. And as far as Sessions goes, whenever that man does decide to retire, he might go out and campaign for some people. But having lived in Alabama, I don't think that Sessions is really going to do much. I think he's just going to go back into public life and just try and, you know, be low key. With Holder, what we're seeing now is that he's playing power politics across the country and that he's jumped back into the same ossified Democratic Party machine that we thought came down with the Clintons. If anything, what he's done is he said, huh, look at this broken death machine. Let me go ahead and pick it up and get it running again. That's the type of person you've got to watch out for. That's the type of person that I think Republicans, conservatives, and libertarians have failed to keep an eye on. And because of that, he's bringing in his dark money, he's bringing in everyone that we thought we'd never have to deal with here, and, and he's playing this game with them. He's using everyone, our taxpayer money, our property, our businesses, he's basically holding us hostage in a sense. And nobody's bringing it up. And when we try and corner the Democrats, when I try and corner the Democrats on this, they play ignorant, they say it's not real, and then they go ahead and they try and get rid of you.
1: So where, where can people find your story on this? I, I know you wrote an investigative uh, report, investigative article on it. And can you just tell us everything you're doing? Because I know you have like seven different projects going on right now. So so plug plug away. Feel free to uh, plug everything.
0: I'm, uh, I'm working with the great folks over at the Republican Standard. It's a uh, Virginia-based conservative website. Um, they were the only ones that were willing to pick up my holder piece so everything that you want in terms of my Eric Holder investigation, my investigations into the Democratic Party of Virginia, go ahead and check it out, The Republican Standard. Uh, for my podcast and everything else, it's super basic. It's remsorepublic.com, R-E-M-S-O, republic.com. We're wrapping up season three, but we've got some great stuff going on. I'm working on a docuseries right now, which is starting production around the time this episode comes out. Um, you still have time to donate for our indiegogo campaign if you want we're trying to raise some money for that but it's called nothing burger the media versus you it's inspired by uh, my favorite person in the media van jones and what i'll be doing is i'll be uh going to dc and i'll be doing everything from one-on-one interviews to man on the street interviews i'll be hosting some town halls essentially just to see where people you know from different worldviews and mindsets and political flavors Uh, how they think of the media and whether or not we could trust them and the question is if we can't trust them can we even trust ourselves so I'm working on Nothing Burger and uh, you know I gotta give a plug for this if you guys like to do stuff other than politics I do a whole bunch of other stuff for our premium content over on Patreon you can get a whole bunch of cool stuff for $1 a month so go ahead and check me out there oh and the Twitter is Remso101 one zero one.
1: And I will link to all of that on the show notes page. Remzo, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we are, Remzo and I are actually going to do, uh, we're going to play Is It a Crime and Should Anyone Do Time? But that will be in the Lions Pride. Woo! So uh, you have to join for that. <laughs> and you can join the Lions Pride by going to slash support. So Remzo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it, John. Take care. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Remzo Martinez talking about Eric Holder snaking his way back into this gun control debate and it's concerning it's very concerning that's why I wanted to talk about it especially after my episode last week where I talked about where Rico and I uh, talked about the possibility of the really the correct libertarian stance to have on guns is to legalize all of them to have legal automatic firearms so there's going to be a lot of debate a lot of money a lot of force coming from the left coming from the gun control side trying in any way in any way possible they can to take an inch to regulate our firearms, and they'll start with bump fire stocks, but they won't stop there. So, guys, we got to fight, and we're not going to fight by saying, eh, Okay, you can take bump fire stocks away, but you know why? Because it's it's the principle of it. I mean, people will obviously, it doesn't make anyone any safer, we know that. But the principle of it is, as human beings, as individuals, we have a right to defend our lives. We have a right to defend our families, defend our property, and we're going to do that. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're not stealing, as long as you're not ruining someone's stuff, then do what you do. And uh, that's really all I got to say today, guys. I told you about The Pride. I did record an episode of The Pride, and Is It a Crime episode with Remzo after this, so you can hear that by going to lionsofliberty.com support and joining the Pride for as little as $5 a month. You can join for $10, you get some free stuff, t-shirts, things like that. $25, you get more free stuff and you get to talk with us once a month on a monthly conference call. So it's a lot of fun. And all all Pride members get in the secret uh, Pride Facebook group. So it's a great time. Join the Pride. We have a lot of recurring episodes we've talked about it before. Conspiracy Corner: Is it a crime? Like I recorded with Remzo. We have a degenerate gambling roundtable, which we just started up with myself and Brian and Rico. There's no real money bet, but it's uh, it's fake money, uh, picking football games. And we now have a a Pride member who is competing with us. And if he can beat us, then. He'll get a free t-shirt. So come join the pride and compete. Come take us on. Be a lot of fun. That's all I got. As always, Donor C, check it out. Best way to donate to charities that there is right now. You can actually see your donations go to work. So it was tremendous to see what Donor C did with the terrible flooding after Hurricane Harvey. So check that out. Check out Donor C. Pick a project to donate to. That's all I got for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening this is john odermatt signing off always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning